Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today, we are pleased to welcome Pastor Larry Stockstill from Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and author of Model Man. With today's sermon entitled Stretch Your Faith, here is Pastor Larry Stockstill. This morning, I really believe the Lord has given me a word for you, and I'd like you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 15. I'm going to read this short passage to you, and then we're going to pray. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a message preached from this. Yeah, I like that. You guys stand up while somebody's reading the Bible. I'm liking y'all better and better, I tell you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 And verse 15, this is in the ESV translation, it says, We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. And here's what Paul said. But our hope, this was his hope, is that as your faith increases, I mean, if he could stand here today and talk to you, Paul could, he'd say, "I've I've got one hope for you. Number one, that your faith would increase. And as it does, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So there's a, it's a sort of a sequential thing. You, your faith stretches and grows, and the result is the influence of this church grows in the city of Austin, in the nation of the United States, and you know we need good churches in America right now. Isn't that right? So your influence as a church will grow when the muscle of your faith inside of you grows. And finally, he says, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. The total sum of a a church's influence should be directed toward preaching the gospel in the lands beyond us. Why don't you just lift up your hands and let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for stretching our faith this morning. We've come to the end of a year, Lord, where we're looking back over 12 months of productivity and faithfulness and stewardship for you. And we're entering a new one, and I pray this morning would be a turning, pivotal moment in this church and in the life of every believer. Father, I'm going to give you the glory in advance in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let's give Jesus a great hand clap one more time. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, about uh, two years ago, I turned 60. We got anybody in here over 60? Help me out now. Somebody. Okay, good. A couple of us in here. And at 60, my dad's 96 and a half. He lives with me, and so he's told me all about it. He said, your muscles begin to shrink. And shrivel, and you you start to shrivel a little bit every year. Actually, you shrivel and shrink two percent every year. So you multiply that twenty years or thirty years, you've you've lost fifty, sixty percent of your muscle mass. So I started going to the gym, and that 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 worked out for a while. You know, I found out angels don't carry me from the bed to the gym. I don't know about you, but I started working out a little bit, and I did discover the most difficult machine in the health club. You know what it is? It's the front door. (laughs) 
That mug is hard to shove open. I don't know what it is about it. But So I just started stretching at home, and I, and I learned that, you know, I could just stretch my muscles like that, and, and I started doing push-ups, and, and my assistant Trey is with me. He got me a little app, and uh, he, he, you know, he got me doing push-ups. And, and hey, hey, here's a real-life, real-truth-life story. September the 1st, I could only do one girl push-up. Now, come on, help me out. And yesterday, I did 120 push-ups. That's right. Come on, huh? come on now. So I, what I'm telling you, and all it does, it just stretches you a little bit every day. I look at it and say, Lord, I, I can't. Yesterday, I think it was 36 and 26 and 22 and 22 and 14, five sets. I thought, Lord, I, I, I can't. Every day, I say, I can't do it. And then I do it. And they bring you up a little bit. So incremental growth is how you change your life. And your spirit has a physical type nature to it, and it's called faith. If I, if I, if I stretch the muscles of my spirit, my faith is actually growing. But if I do not challenge it, if I never make it move to the next level, it doesn't. In fact, it shrinks. So at the end of this year, look back over this year from a year ago, have you grown? Have you has your faith, is, would you say I, my faith is actually at another level this year? Or is it, if it's not, it's actually diminished a little bit. So we're going to be intentional here in this church. In the next year, you're going to remember this message. You're going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stretch my faith. Now, we gave our kids a little doll years ago that was called Stretch Armstrong. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a, a rubber arm doll, and you would you would stretch his arms, and he could stretch four or five feet. So put your hands out in front of you. Come on, everybody, in the balcony, everywhere. What are we going to do this morning? We're going to stretch our faith. Okay, now I want to hear you say that and slap somebody that's sleeping next to you, okay? <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to stretch our faith. Now, that's pretty good, but I want to hear the men in here. Come on, what are we going to do? We're going to stretch our faith. Come on, clap your hands for the Lord if you believe it today. Something new is happening in your life. Okay, now I'm going to give you a clear, easy little outline to remember. Three little simple points of how through the years the Lord has shown me to stretch my faith. And I've been pasteurizing for 28 years. I mean, we watched our missions giving go up to almost $4 million a year to missions. And it happened incrementally. Every year I'd go up $100,000 to missions. So I've, this is not a theory to me. This is reality. This is something I'm imparting to you. If you're a businessman, if you're a housewife, student, whoever you are, I promise you if you'll put these three little principles to work, then your faith muscle will grow, the church's influence will grow, and will reach the regions beyond. Number one, if you're writing these down, you stretch your faith when there's a need. Now, I know some of you are not going to say amen on that point right there. Because you're thinking, I don't like a need. Well, I don't like a need either. I like to have all the money I need in the bank and my kids all serving God and perfect health. But occasionally, God allows a need to slip through the fence, the hedge, the barrier that's around my life. And I believe some of you got some needs today. You You've got some things, you don't know where they came from, but the Lord knows, and he's actually allowed that need to stretch your faith. 
People that never get a diagnosis of a problem in their health don't know any scriptures about healing. But the moment the doctor says, you know, you've got about three months to live, you open your Bible and you start looking for every healing verse you can find. Isn't that right? I heard about one guy that he pointed his finger at the Bible like some people do and it said Judas went out and hanged himself. He didn't like that verse, so he did it again, and it said, go thou and do likewise. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> His last time he pointed it, it says, what thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> so that's not how you study the word, but I'm telling you, when you have a need, it will drive you to your knees. It will drive you to the word of God. So what's going on? Your faith is being forced to stretch. That's why the Lord even allows you to encounter a need in your life. James said in the Phillips translation in chapter 1, when you have a need, don't resent it as an intruder, but welcome it as a friend. When Jesus was going to feed 5,000 people, the Bible says he already knew what he was going to do, but he turned to his team and he said, you guys... Give all these 5,000 men something to eat. Of course, Philip raised his hand, I'm sure, and he said, Lord, even a, a whole year's salary would not feed them even a bite. I'm sure Jesus said, well, uh, thank you, Philip, for that information. <laughs> Andrew brought a little boy forward. He said, Lord, this child has five biscuits and two sardines. Is that enough to get started? Now you're watching the stretching of the muscle of faith. The Lord said that's perfect. He blessed it. He multiplied it. He fed all of them and their families and had 12 baskets left over. Because somebody in his group stretched the muscle of their faith. The need attracted the resources. And for you that are in need this morning, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You are coming through this trial. You're going to come through this sickness. You're going to come through this issue with your business. But the need may have driven you to church here this morning because you're saying, God, I need you. God, I need your help. God, I can't handle this. So that's that, that's first thing. You know, uh, there's a little boy over in Australia one of my friend's pastors over there, and he does a missions conference where people pledge their support for the following year. Well, a little boy, six years old, named Jackson, pledged $6,000 to give to missions. Well, Jack read the card, and he set it on the side. He didn't add it to the total because, I mean, a six-year-old boy. He thought it was precious. But, you know, that child didn't want any money for his birthday. He said, I want money for missions. He didn't want anything and at the end of the year, they totaled what that child had managed to give from selling Christmas cards and cookies. $6,000 that little boy had given to missions in a year. You know, whole churches don't do that because he stretched his faith. Let me tell you a, a, a thought that will stretch you. There's 7 billion people on this planet. Right now, I think 7.3 billion. Yesterday in Paris, they signed that accord. 195 nations. 7.3 billion, only 2 billion out of that are Christians. That's, that's this bunch. The other 5 billion are lost. Now, I'm talking about this 2 billion, half of those are Roman Catholic, and that, 
that's front slid, back slid, cats, rats, everybody in the church is these two billion over here. So these five billion, they lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I mean, there's no question about it. They're not saved. How many people is that? Well, five billion, you know. But, but picture it with me. If I start a line here in front of your church of people that are lost, and that line stretches out the parking lot, and let's say it goes east toward California down I-10, how far would the line go? To New Mexico? Yeah. California? Yeah. If I could put a bridge over that big Pacific Ocean that I've flown over many times, it would go all the way to Japan from your church. It would even cross China and Europe. If I could put a bridge over the Atlantic, it would come all the way back to Georgia and up I-10 through my city and back in probably through this door and the last person in line could shake hands with the first person in line and they're all the way around the world. Can you believe that? But the line would go two times, three times. Come on now, I'm stretching you. Five times. 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 37 times that line would circle the world. We don't hardly have 37 chairs across this building. So this whole auditorium at the equator packed with people all the way around the world. That's how many lost people there are. Somebody says, well, you know, I know they're not going to hell. I mean, there's, God would never send them to hell. There is, the one guy did a book, there is no hell. I like what the little girl that went to school said. She raised her hand and she told her agnostic teacher, I heard yesterday that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And the teacher said, well, we know a whale can't swallow a human being. And she said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah if he was swallowed by a whale. She said back, well, what if he's in hell? She said, well, then you can ask him. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. No, there is a real hell, but the good news is you don't have to go there. Amen. So when when I get that need, it starts attracting resources, and my faith is stretched. Number two, you stretch your faith with a dream. Please write these down somewhere on a phone. Don't surf the internet while you write, please. You stretch your faith with a dream. Now I'm talking to you. How can you be different in 2016? First thing, get your Bible out and get scripture about your need and start going over those verses every day. Your need will be met and your faith will be stretched. Second thing, Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a new vision and a new dream of something you've never accomplished and it seems impossible to you to ever do. Now your faith is stretching. This is critical because some of you have lost your dream. You've been through such a storm in 2015 that you've stopped dreaming. You're surviving. You only think of surviving and paying your bills month by month. That's all. You're not thinking about anything that's new or different or dreaming. You're surviving and the Lord is speaking to you today. And he's saying, I speak the language of dreams and visions. Acts chapter 2 says, in the last days, 
I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm still seeing visions. That's how I know I'm a young man. Isn't that beautiful? God's got a dream for you, a vision. Lester Sumrall, Dr. Lester Sumrall, great friend of mine, went to be with the Lord a few years ago. At 84, bought an ocean-going ship full of supplies for Africa. Bought a C-130 airplane. Bought a shortwave network of stations and six TV stations in America. He was 84. He never stopped until he went to be with the Lord. And I asked him, how, how, did, you, how did you keep going like you did? He said, oh, I never lost my dream, my vision. He said, because it's like the blueprint of a house. The fulfillment of that house is in building it, not living in it. You need a dream, you need a blueprint, you need a vision, something that keeps you going to the next level. What is your dream in 2016? If I ask you to write it down, what's, what, what do you envision, what do you see? A friend of mine's building a new home there in Baton Rouge. He was not excited about it until yesterday he went to the architect and saw the plans. He said, I'm ready to go bear hunting with a switch, man. I'm excited about it. Just seeing the vision. Abraham was in his tent, confused and bewildered and childless. And God said to him, come out of your tent and lift up your eyes and count the stars. And Abraham believed the Lord. His faith stretched. And he counted in him as righteousness. The dream has the power to change your life. Dr. Cho has that little church over in Korea. 750,000 active members, largest church in the world. And he was dying with Parkinson's disease. And he was in the hospital. They brought his family in. They said, uh, he's going to die. And he said, Lord, why aren't you healing me? And the Lord said, I can't talk to you anymore. He said, what do you mean, Lord? I pray every day. He said, no, I speak the language of dreams and visions. And you're not receiving from me anymore. He said, I want you to plant 5,000 new churches in Korea. He said, I'll do it, Lord. And God healed him. He's planted those 5,000 churches. He just preached in Korea to 100,000 people in the stadium. He's on fire. He's stronger than ever. He's 80. Come on, somebody. Because he got his dream back. He got his vision back. I had a dream of paying for a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. I don't know if you've heard of Brother Bonke. He's a German evangelist in Africa. He's had millions, 60 million people saved in the last 10 years there in Africa. And I thought, Lord, I would love to pay for one of those. I was a missionary for two years. My first two years of marriage, I left two weeks after I was married for Africa. And I thought, well, now I, maybe our church, maybe it'd be $100,000. We could pay for one of those. So I sent him an email. How much does one cost? He sent me a detailed budget. It was right at a million dollars. I thought, oh, even God doesn't have that much money, I don't think. <laughs> so I told the church my dream. And they laughed when I told them that. And except one young man in the back of the church, he lifted his hands. He said, Lord, if you'll give me that million dollars, I'll pay for that crusade. He'd never had a million dollars, didn't know how to get it, no way. He just stretched his faith with a dream, a ridiculous, impossible dream. Two weeks later, now watch how this happens. When your faith stretches, 
It attracts resources. His company approached him as the guy in America they chose to lead a project of investment. He said, if you can raise this amount of capital, and it was millions, tens of millions, he said, we'll give you any bonus you want. They thinking in the $10,000 range. He said, I'll do it, and I want a million-dollar bonus without hesitation. And they said, for what? He said, I want to pay for a Reinhard Bonnke crusade. Who They didn't know who that was. He said, well, whatever parts your hair, man, we'll do it if you can raise this amount of money. A year later, that young man, I'm talking about a young man in his 30s, tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Pastor, I've got the money. And God is my witness. I didn't even remember what money he was talking about. It had been so long and I, it's so ridiculous, the million dollars. He said, I got the million dollars for the Bonky Crusade. I've been working on it a year. He said, who do I make the check out to? I said, me, of course. Who do you? No, I, not really. So we made it out to Brother Bonky. We flew to West Palm Beach and put it in his hand. And he was astonished. He said, would you go with me to Africa to this crusade? We said, sure, we'd be glad to. And about 10 of us went over there with him. Unbelievable. They had cleared the jungle out for half a million people to stand on the dirt. I mean, I was there. They, they walked there, they, no chairs, they stood five hours a night for five nights. On the second night, I remember us recording this note that nine blind people had been healed in that one night. One man had been blind all his life, his family was with him, he was healed and chased Brother Bonky all around the stage. I mean, we were crying like babies and it, it, and then in five nights, they totaled, you know how many people were born again and filled out a decision card? 1.1 million souls were saved that week. 1.1 million people's names added to the Lamb's Book of Life because of one service in Baton Rouge where I mentioned a dream. And that all came from a bonus. Listen, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. He will not do anything without his people. He's got all the resources. I just read it in Haggai this morning, chapter 2. He said, all the silver and all the gold is mine. So where does that leave Bill Gates? Nothing. That dude, he's broke as a joke. Come on now. It's all God's. Come on now. And if you get the vision of those 37 lines and the need, and I've been traveling the world now four years since Jonathan took the church. I've been around the world several times. I'm telling you the need is so great. But that brings me to my third point. Please write this one down. You stretch your faith with a seed. Because you can dream all day. But you've got to find a capsule to put that dream inside. And it can be different things, different kinds of capsules. You, you can put your time in that capsule. You go to the nursing home, sit there with people, love on them. That's a seed. You're, it can be your talent. You're a computer programmer. You come to church and say, hey, I can help you with the website. I, I do websites. Okay, there's, that's a seed. And it can be treasure, like the wise men. They brought their seed. They laid it at the feet of Jesus. 
That financed, I'm sure, his flight to Egypt away from Herod when he killed the babies. Look, but it can be time, talent, treasure, I don't know. But what it is, it's an intentionality. Lord, I've got this dream. I'm putting it in a capsule and I'm planting it. And by the way, seed was never meant to be digested. If you've ever tried to eat seed, it does not digest. It passes right through your body. Try to eat your peach seed and see how that works out for you. (laughs) It's not meant to be eaten. It's meant to be planted. And when God blesses you with a bonus, a raise, an inheritance, something, you don't look at it just, oh, well, good, I can eat that. It's, Lord, where do you want me to plant? Now, I've been a pastor all these years. So you do not move me when it comes to planting seed. I've I've heard every preacher and every, uh -uh, you've got to go a long time and you're still not going to affect me. But I was in Mexico uh, three years ago, November, preaching at a large missions conference. And to my surprise, a couple was up testifying before I preached, and I was not paying a lot of attention, but the man never said anything. His wife had the mic, and she was speaking and crying about her testimony. She had been saved as a prostitute in Amsterdam, the red light district in Amsterdam. She walked out of her office there in a window, and a lady led her to the Lord. And she'd flown back to the Dominican Republic, been discipled, and she met this pastor. He never said anything. She met him. And they got married. So while I'm hearing this, the Lord just, just spoke to me. He, he said an amount of money, which was large for me, that I was to give them toward a car. And I'm, I'm minding my own business. I'm not thinking about that. And the Lord said, now my first thought was, I rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. <laughs> But I figured out the devil never tells me anything good to give to people. So then I thought, well, Melanie's not here. And I would never give that amount of money without talking to her about it. You know, I'm the head, but she's the neck that turns the head. Now, come on, brothers, you know what I'm talking about. And the Lord said, no, no, I didn't ask you to ask your wife. I'm talking to you. Now, I can listen to somebody preach for hours, and it never affects me to give. But when God speaks to me, the thunders of the Lord shake inside of me and faith rises up. And I wrote that check and my last little thing was I started to hand it to him. I said, do you need a car? I thought they may say, "Uh, no, no, we don't. I was going to say, thank you, Lord. They don't need a car. (laughs) They cried. They said, yes, we work in the mountains. We need a four-wheel drive vehicle to get up there to them. So I handed him, I said, this is a seed towards your car. And I just, it's not a whole car, but it's just a start. And I prayed over it, and I gave it to him. And I never thought any more about it. Well, I lost a crown in Mexico while I was eating. So I get back home. I'm crowned with many crowns. I don't know about you, but I got, anyway, you'll get that after that. Sir. <laughs> so I'm laid up in the dentist chair. My Christian dentist is in there making me a temporary crown when I'm back home. And I noticed a scripture on the wall. It's a plaque, Psalm 81 and verse 10. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Isn't that a great verse for a Christian dentist? So he comes back in and he says, man, I got good news for you. 
He said, I just checked accidentally your insurance policy. It pays half of this $500 crown. You just saved $250. And he said, Merry Christmas. Now, this was three years ago at the end of November. I thought, wow, that's awesome. So driving home, I'm thanking the Lord. I said, Lord, thank you. And he said, you pleased me in Mexico when I told you to give that to that couple. He said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven upon you and pour you out a blessing that you're not able to contain. And I mean, I heard the Lord say that to me. So I even told my wife when I got home what the Lord had said. And God is my witness. In the next 60 days, by the end of January 2013, 40 times the amount that we had given to that couple had come from the weirdest, most unexpected sources. Everywhere we turned around, people were sending us and giving us money. Come on now. And please do not get the feeling that God is a celestial slot machine. He's not. Where you put in this and pull the arm and all this money comes out. I gave it because I was just obeying him. It's his anyway. But I'm telling you that year, 2013, the financial blessings that came upon us, you know what, it's still going on. And in fact, I'm looking for a place to sow a seed here today. Anybody need a seed in your life? See, well, nobody raised their hand. So no. Oh, okay, back there. See, it, the seed is your dream in a capsule form. I remember the story in the Old Testament of the widow who was going to get her last biscuit and bake it and eat it and die. And you remember Elijah walked in and he said, thus says the Lord, give me that biscuit. And she, I'm sure, thought that was the most audacious request anyone had ever made. But she knew she had no other choice but to plant that seed or she was going to die, and she did. And when she checked her, fuel, her meal barrel, it was completely packed with flour, and it never, ever diminished the rest of the famine. What that shows you is that your seed, the one seed God shows you, and it could be time, talent, treasure, I don't know. But when you plant it, there's hope again in your life. Your dream will come to pass. Years ago, I was a student at ORU. I'm going to close with this passage, this little story. And a missions guy was talking about a tribe in Tibet. This tribe is so high up in the Himalaya Mountains, 18,000 feet, there's no roads to get to it. And they've tried to figure out how to get up there to get them with the gospel. And he said, the only thing that will reach them is a military helicopter. But no, they couldn't find one to get up there, of course, and they would have to buy one, millions of dollars. So they're, they're scratching their heads. How will we ever get the gospel to that group? And he said, isn't it a shame, my professor said, that no one will ever be able to preach to that group because they're so far up in the mountains. And I was just thinking, you know, yeah, that's, that's a shame. And all of a sudden, I don't remember seeing the room. It was like it just turned to sort of silver. And I saw the cross. I mean, just boom. Jesus was covered in blood from head to toe. His head was swollen twice the size of a human. That crown of thorns had been beaten so many times. 
And he was, maybe it wasn't like one little drop of blood like we see on pictures. He was hideous. And he was crying out for God into the darkness. My father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? My God, where are you? And the father spoke to me sitting in that classroom at ORU. My life's never been the same. He asked me a question. He said, if I had to listen to my son call my name all those hours while his blood was being poured out for every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. Why would I not give you a little money if you ask me to go tell them that Jesus paid for their sins? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he just, he spoke that to me and I just got set free. It's kind of like the Lord showed me that we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. My brothers and sisters this morning, if as you go into this new year, you will say, God, I want to stretch. I praise you for the tithe, what I did this year in just obedience. But bless me. Jabez said, bless me indeed. It's okay to pray that. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory, Jabez said. I don't want to be the same. I want to stretch. Let your hand be with me, he said, in my business, in my investments, in my home. And keep me from evil. You know, evil will eat up all your resources. Close your eyes with me right now. If you're in this service and you would say, Pastor, I need forgiveness. Up in the balcony. You may be in that 37 lines. It's a shame you're in church. It's Christmas, all that. That's cool. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Jesus paid for your sin. And if there's sin in your heart, And you want to get the sin out of your heart. Here's how you do it. Surrender. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And I'm going to ask people who would say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I need forgiveness. If that's you, in the balcony, down here, sir, ma'am, young person, whoever you are, you'd say, include me in that prayer. Right where you're sitting, I want you, without hesitation, to slip up your hand, hold it up high and leave it there. All over this room, I see hands going up in the balcony. Probably 15 hands here. There's at least 75 people with their hands raised. I need forgiveness in my life. If you have your hand raised, keep your heads bowed. Stand to your feet. Just stand up. He hung naked on the cross for you. Surely you can stand in a building somewhere and say, I need forgiveness. Yeah, do it. Without thinking, without hesitation, stand up. Just look around. Unbelievable. Lift both hands. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. And for more information from Pastor Stockstill, please visit larrystockstill.com. Thank you for listening.